0: Welcome back to Butter With That, a movie podcast where friends get together and talk about movies. This month's theme is Oscar month, Uh, Oscar snubs, uh, talking about what uh, should have been nominated, what was, Um, but before we dive into more about that... uh, going to open it back up to to the group um just a kind of insider secret we uh recorded this segment and uh it it flew into the ether of the expanse of a computer and so we're going to give you the highlights of our uh
1: scintillating discussion
0: humans trust in technology
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, right, furthering my distrust See, all I don't think we can ever build
2: Skynet We're just so inept at I don't think we can ever get to the point where we can build something like that
1: True
3: I mean, I guess that's good, right? I Did anyone watch anything? We'll, we'll figure
1: something else needed <laughs> to do, I don't know If that's... our planet
2: doesn't incinerate itself yeah. I
1: mean, that's sure. it, we've got 12 years or else we're dead Ugh. Yeah, anything that people
0: in- watched, encountered That had to do with technology Or the obliteration of... Uh, all of the earth and humankind. In
2: Dragon Ball Super Broly, they turned uh, (laughs) the Antarctic into lava.
1: Okay, Connor also mentioned Dragon Ball Super Broly the first time we (laughs) recorded this. I think you were just trying to find ways. Although this did fit. I'll give you that.
3: Connor said it's so good he doesn't want to see anything else in 2019. It's it's
2: peaked. Uh, 2019 has peaked.
3: Def not, uh, because I saw the uh, what is the best thing I've seen that came out this year, uh, which is the documentary that we also I also talked about last time. (laughs) Um, So I really like going to exhume films events here in Philly, which if you don't know them, they're really great. Um, They collect like tons and tons of um, films that, you know, are ones that, you know, are are great copies of film that like people haven't, you know, haven't had a chance to see on the big screen and some like are ones that like people just haven't heard of. There's some like ninja movie they were talking about the other day that had like a crazy name that they were like, this got lost forever. And then like somehow they found it and it's incredible. So um, it had a really silly name too, like, Oh, man, I need to remember what it was, but it was dumb. But uh, this time was a little bit different because the first thing they showed was the uh, Shutter documentary that just came out, um, which uh, is called uh, Horror Noir that talks about the history of black horror. Um, it is so insightful and interesting and just talks about how um, just like how, you know, black people have been portrayed or how they have, you know, the characters they have been in horror movies and things. And the first film they mention is birth of a nation. So you're like, they're like, ah, oh, yes, a true horror movie. Horror birth in of the a truest sense. Yeah. Um, so it's very good. It's very well research- researched. There's a woman named Ashley who, um, is a, um, historian that focuses on black horror. Um, that was super knowledgeable and cool. What so. a cool
2: feel of study.
3: Yeah, I was and there's they had people that were on the the documentary. The documentary also just had like a totally different um, style where it was people talking to each other. Like there were tons of actors and directors and stuff who were involved, but they'd have like two of them sit down and they were like having a conversation. Um, so that was like a really cool like way. I've never seen it before. But yeah. Um... Um, Yeah, like, there was a woman who was talking about how she teaches a class, I think, in UCLA that's, like, specifically all on black horror. And I was like, wow, these are classes I wish I could have taken when I was in college. That sounds fantastic. Um, But, yeah, it's a cool... I think I'd like to talk about it more in in Sam's movie, which we will do next time, because I think it's pretty relevant and stuff. Um, But, yeah, I saw that. I saw The the Mummy, the original uh, one, with Boris Karloff, which was good. Um, And, yeah, there were other things, but... Yeah,
2: did you guys check out the uh, any of the Super Bowl movie trailers?
3: Um, I did watch the new Us one that they put out, which, whew, yeah, that's gonna be crazy.
2: I think Jordan Peele's got another modern classic on his hands. Yeah, it looks it definitely looks. Someone, good.
3: Uh, one of the guys who was um, at the exhumed event uh, is one of the the higher ups uh, in Fangoria magazine, uh, which was recently had a comeback, and he he's like, I can't tell you how I know this, but if you thought that um, I think he what he said was if you thought that Get Out wasn't a horror movie like Us is a horror movie mm. and I was and like the oh god looks terrifying it looks yeah. horrifying I'm like so excited for it but no I just feel like I'm gonna be just cringing the it's entire time. it's gonna movie. make your
2: skin crawl right?
3: oh yeah um yeah oh and then the Twilight Zone teaser which is very exciting also Jordan <sighs> Peele he's just the best
2: too bad it's locked behind CBS All Access their online only exclusive streaming platform bastards I might get the free month trial to watch that.
1: Hmm. Um, I saw the Avengers Endgame new trailer that aired during the Super Bowl. How was it? Um, it was so, I was not expecting to see it, and all of a sudden, Steve Rogers popped up on the screen. I literally was so overwhelmed, I <laughs> threw my cell phone across the room, and my dad went, What the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, so that was fun. A good okay. trailer.
1: Yeah, that was the most exciting thing that happened during the Super Bowl.
3: Was the trailer itself good? Cuz I feel like the one that was released initially was like interesting, but not like
1: Well, it was like 30 seconds okay. and it was mostly Steve Rogers. I couldn't have asked for anything more. Sounds about right. It looks
2: like it's um the Avengers take on like the leftovers. Mm. So there's, it seems like that some, maybe a few months have passed since Thanos wiped out half the universe. I heard it's going to be years. That'd be really cool. Really? Oh, that'd be really unfortunate. I hope it's not years. Yeah. Um, And apparently the Russo brothers said they're only showing trailer footage from the first 20 minutes of the movie.
1: That makes sense. I mean, wow. I, I hate when they do that, when they put all like the yep. best scenes. And I know that's how you make a trailer, but then you're like, well, I just fucking saw the whole damn
2: thing. At this point, it markets itself. Mm. Yeah, they don't need to. And apparently it's going to be, as of right now, it's three hours long.
1: I would sit and watch <laughs> fucking five hours of this garbage <laughs> if I got the actual ending for Captain America that he and I deserve.
2: We did I not get this rant the first time. <laughs> this is a
1: new <laughs> territory. If you can't tell, it's all authentic. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, in other news, I watched the first season of Homeland. I talked about this the first time. It's great. Damien Lewis is awesome. Manny
2: Patankin's awesome. He, yeah, I mean, he Manny really is.
1: Manny Patinkin. I love he him. He really
2: is great in that show. And they just killed him in Criminal Minds.
3: <sighs> well, you can't live come?
2: forever. Yeah, that was, that was maybe like eight years after he left. Like, it's a relatively new season. Oh,
3: so he came back and then they killed him or they, they just say he's dead. They go
2: to his cabin and there's just like a white man face down on the floor. And they're like, oh, it's Gideon.
3: Oh, that's bullshit. Cause he left and was like, oh, this is too much for me. Like, ugh, fuck, fuck that show. Oh, I, the, one of the last episodes I watched was from like two or three seasons ago. And it made me so infuriated that I was like, I will never watch the show ever again. Um, although one of the bad guys in one of the newer seasons um, for like a, I guess it was one of the major season um, like arcs or whatever, was um, Mark Hamill.
1: Aw. Yeah, well, Mark Hamill. Tim Curry
2: has a great turn. As uh, as a big um, serial oh, killer. Oh yeah, he was
1: in a couple episodes
2: too. Yeah, he was really good.
1: Oh, you know what? You saying serial killer reminded me of the Bundy tapes. I also watched those. Not <laughs> my to dad like did too. totally like take good. this conversation, but here's my problem with anything about Ted Bundy, with about like the the trailer with Zach Efron movie, whatever, whatever. Um, is that like? He's become this weird rock star that it's makes bizarre. me deeply uncomfortable. I mean, that
3: happens with so many serial killers. But so it's, it's not just him.
1: It's not, but it's just like, hey, we can like we can have a part in this and saying like if this gets popular or not, and like I'm I'm part of it. Like I list I watched the Bundy tapes, but the whole time I was like. God you you don't really hear about the victims that they, they talk about the the one woman who was a, a victim mm-hmm. um, she she does talk but it's like you don't go into the other like really crazy bullshit he did mm-hmm. like I, I just read the Anne rule book about him and obviously she's coming from a very different place of like someone who actually knew him, but I had no idea. And I'm going to get a little gross here, but I had no idea about the necrophilia part until mm. like just a brief little like look on Wikipedia. And I was like, what the fuck and rule. Mm. Like that's a, that's a
2: big part. Well, I don't even know about. if I believe him. Cause at that point that was what a month before he was going to be executed. Yeah, so I think I mean, he was looking to true. say anything. He's like, there could be hundreds of victims just to keep him alive. So
3: yeah, just so like people would keep being like, oh, well, I guess we got to keep talking to this guy, you know. But yeah, but it is yeah.
0: interesting that there's this like resurgence in like his like in his myth mi- or like in movies about well, his an anniversary recently. Oh yeah, is so it the 20 anniversary
1: years execution. of his death? I to get okay. someone like Zac Efron, like I understand what they're doing. I understand, and I'm going to see it, but mm-hmm. I'm just like frustrated.
2: Apparently, the movie's not that good. Oh, that doesn't just surprise Just saw some me. quick review headlines. I think
1: I can't be mad about it just because there are so many
3: people and stories that we focus on and decide are important to tell that, like, shouldn't be told or, you know, we are, like, giving people rock star status that don't deserve it. So it's just, like, another one, like, to add to the fucking pile of shit out there. So I'm like, I can't be bothered to be pissed about it, you know?
1: I, I mean, I guess that's fine. It's just, you know, like... Maybe if I hadn't watched the Bundy tapes, it would have been. I would have felt a little bit better about it. Mm. But you know, I want to see it, and damn it, I'm part of the problem. I
3: mean, it's. I mean, it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah. I felt
0: that way when I watched the fire documentary. Uh, I was like, this is fascinating, but am I just feeding into this like sort of this like myth generate like the generation of this like mythos around this story? Granted, it like I watched the Netflix once, like a like a. St- a great insight into... I think that's the
3: one where they're actually getting profits from that. Yeah,
0: and they're also trying to give that guy... How Fuck Jerry was, like, both a producer of the show Mm -hmm. and... Or, like, of the, uh... uh, Fire Festival and of the
2: actual movie. Um, And the Hulu, there's a rival one on Hulu, right? right? uh,
0: I'm definitely participating in this, this, like... I don't know, craze over this story. And I know that Billy McFarlane is gonna, like... Once he like Gets out of jail He's going to go on some kind of lecture Like he's going to profit off of this And yeah It's funny because I kept using
3: the fire documentary stuff As my like why I was so pumped about this Like uh, horror noir documentary Because I was like you know what Like it was really interesting to see one Like a documentary about like stuff that really needs to be told Like by all of these really smart Amazing people out there but, uh, cause I was like, cause right now it's like people just keep talking about fire, and I'm like, I know those guys were assholes. I don't need to watch a whole thing about <laughs> like how they were assholes. Ja Rule was, was like,
1: just as much I don't a victim.
0: <laughs> Fucking don't give it's it's worth. Worth. <laughs> Yeah. Mm.
3: But, like, I, I, it's, you know, there's an appeal for all of this stuff, you know?
0: It was, yeah. It was, I mean, it's a good, like, uh, indictment of, like, capitalism and just, the illusion of, of success. And I mean, I don't speaking about fuck. the
2: illusion of success
0: speaking uh, of, should we, should we go right into it? I
2: don't
0: know. Just, oh, you had just a segue. It like seg- just felt like a good segue. Oh yeah. Speaking of the illusion of <laughs> success, had... shall we, uh, does anyone have uh, any sorry, I was, I just... other shout outs? Am, am I the only one that's confused sorry? about? I, I felt like Connor had it. Like he was ready to go into
1: the next Portion. I happily, I zoned out and then came right back in. Sorry, um, wanted. I'm, just I'm sorry. I I, I'm slightly
0: confused as I was well. Like, Why
3: are we talking about the illusion of success? Um, I don't understand. Does anyone have
0: anything else sorry, to say uh... about the illusion of success as related to my career. points of life my, my, in the
3: my past career? <laughs> <laughs> you do got no illusions about that <laughs> mm, just real hard facts
0: cold hard facts about our lives sorry everybody no i but
3: also i don't know pay us or something huh?
0: we have now ventured into the portion of our uh podcast that has not been recorded yet so we're entering <laughs> into new wa- unrehearsed waters
1: <laughs> but that conversation we didn't have that no we didn't yeah that's yeah. true we didn't yeah
0: um Maybe we'll come out with a director's cut one time and find the uh, original. The footage. lost tapes. The lost tapes. <laughs> the lost yeah, tapes Speaking of lost
3: tapes, tapes. <laughs> Sam's um, rant about Twilight will be on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah.
0: Deep cuts. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Um, any yeah any other final reflections? Um, then we'll go into part two of Illusions of Success uh, and Sorry. talk about no we'll talk about Oscars. Mentioned that this month's uh, theme Is is around the Oscars Uh, This week um, We're going to be talking about uh, A movie I picked called Meek's Cutoff uh, By director Kelly Reichardt. It's a 2010 movie um, That talks about The 1845 Oregon Trail An Oregon Trail party that gets lost Um, But Before we talk specifically about the movie Just wanted to kind of Give kind of An overview or kind of mention something. My selection was to essentially connect to a larger discussion around um, like represent like female representation, um, especially female directors in Hollywood uh, and just some like basic cold hard stats in the past 90 years of the history of the Oscars. There have only been five female directors that have been nominated um, and not one of those nominations was, um, for a female or a director, female director of color. The only winner was Catherine Bigelow, uh, who won for the Hurt Locker. And this year, there have been no female directors that were nominated. Um, There were arguments that directors like Karen Kusama should have been nominated for Destroyer, uh, Deborah Granick for Leave No Trace, Chloe Zhao for The Rider. So movies that people really, really liked, um, but but no acknowledgement from uh, the Academy for those nominations. I was... Looking at some articles that were giving some statistics around uh, representation of women, like in director roles, writer roles, cinematography roles, and it's it's pretty remarkable. Like uh, Connor's stats on uh, who makes up the Academy; these are some stats on who's involved in making the movies that are some of the ho- like top movies uh, in the past. 10 years. So, USC School of Communications did a report and said out of the top 1,200 films released between 2007 and 2018, only 4.3% of directors were women. So, that's one out of every 22. Uh, 83.7% of women never directed a second movie, as opposed to 55.3% of men. Uh, just 5.2 of all directors, both male and female, uh, were black or African-American. 3.2% were Asian. Uh, and out of the 43 female directors who made movies between 27, uh, 2007 and 2017, four have been black, two Asian, and one Latinx. So definitely wow. startling. Yeah, some pretty startling <laughs> stats. Um, and I... I Picked uh, me this movie, Meek's Cutoff, not so much because I think that it uh, would have swept the 2011 Oscars the year that it came out. But because um, Kelly Reichardt is a director that I have uh, been watching and following and really loved a lot of her movies and see a lot of the components in the movies that she comes out with. Uh, I see those appear in uh, or con- their connections to other movies that are kind of lauded and nominated and um and directors showcasing kind of uh their skills and and are recognized for that. So um this is <laughs> recognized that this movie is uh it's not for everyone definitely, but thought it could uh extend to a larger discussion um about about women f- uh, filmmakers, so we can let's just go right in, dive right into it, uh, do a breakdown, of trailer reviews, uh, and then uh, Sam, you watched the movie, um, so Tori, I'm gonna uh, pass it off to you <laughs> and uh, tell me what you got from the Meeks Cut Off trailer.
3: Okay. Um, I also wanted to know, does anyone remember, because I know we talked about it in one of the episodes before, the makeup of the Academy, how many are women? Does anyone remember that number? Mm. I can
2: pull up my notes real quick.
3: Okay. I mean, I just think it's, like, an interesting thing to, like, reiterate, too, like... To remind everyone the makeup of the Academy and, like, potentially one of the problematic reasons why right. like, some of these people aren't getting You've more got recognition. got the breakdown
0: of people making movies yeah. and breakdown of yeah. people, like, who are responsible for assessing the, like, the best of mm-hmm. every year. God, it's so crazy. Yeah.
2: So as of 2012, out of, at that time, uh, close to 6,000 members of the Academy, 94% were white, 77% were male. And eighty-six percent were fifty years of age or older. Mm. Um, then a few years later, Favorite
3: they added right there.
2: <laughs> they added about seven hundred new members. Um, however, of those almost seven hundred new members, eighty-nine percent were still white, and seventy-three percent were still male. Mm. Out of that seven hundred mm. additional, yeah.
1: like what the fuck is that? Shit, when was that?
2: As twenty sixteen was the extra seven hundred people
1: like come on now if you're gonna add people like recognize that you have a problem with diversity what the fuck especially like the academy knows they have a problem with diversity this comes up
3: every year we have these just, same they conversations don't, they don't care That's, yeah. it. They don't that's care. It. well I also wonder
2: yeah. how much of it is um just so systematic of where all of the 17 different fields that Academy membership comprises of very few actually have people of color in those roles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. I just wonder if it's like not just the Academy, but more systematically of Hollywood Mm. in general, that makes sense. Did that make sense?
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think part of looking up information about the movies that we've watched uh, and that we've talked about in doing research for this specific episode as well, I keep falling back to the fuck the Oscar. Like, fuck oh, the yeah. Like, what the fuck is... Like, who, who cares? But yeah. also what I keep falling back to is the fact that getting a nomination, getting a win, opens doors for people, like directors, for actors, uh, increases salaries for people. And so it's like, unfortunately, it, like... For, like, ways for people to get more opportunities, like, the Oscars can play a big part, and mm-hmm. it's, like, that, first first of all, sucks. That does suck. Good movies should be able to ma- be made no matter what, mm-hmm. but I think advocating and pushing for a more diverse academy is, like, definitely an important yeah. cause.
3: Agreed. Um, yeah, so, anyway. Um, yes, yeah. so... Uh meek's cut off which for some reason i kept saying meek's run this morning i don't know why logan's run yeah i mean i guess that was it i was like is it midnight run something with run was in my head i guess <laughs> like um but anyway um so yes i did watch the trailer for this and i have not seen this movie um one thing that just struck me right off the bat um because in the trailer you just kind of see like you know these sweeping like you know big open spaces with the characters. And I noticed specifically uh, Zoe Kazan, right? Um, Her character is wearing this, like, bright, Yellow dress with, like, this bright bonnet and stuff, which, like, in my head, I'm like, if you guys are, like, trying to get through these spaces and remain unnoticed, why are you wearing bright-ass colors? That seems like a horrible idea, but, like, that was, like, the first thing that I thought of. Um, but there were, like, very vibrant colors within the trailer, which was interesting. It's like um, you'll get
0: identified very yeah, like, easily from huh, the,
3: you're trying to not get noticed, um, you know, by these Native Americans who you're terrified of, but, you know, anyway. Um... <laughs> But then, of, of course, like, then it, like, goes in and it shows, like, all of the different, um, you know, acclaim that the movie has. One of them just says, some kind of masterpiece, which I <laughs> don't really know what that means. <laughs> some kind. <laughs> it's, I don't know what, it's, it's some kind. Yeah.
2: And I think one of the there. blurbs in the trailer, too, is, like, this is a movie movie. Right? Mm, or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. <laughs>
3: Um, but yeah, like it, it also just, as it, it opens up, um, you know, you kind of get this sinister music coming and playing up too. And it started to feel very much like a, like a horror film, um, where like, it seems like these people are very paranoid and they're out there alone. And, um, it, it becomes pretty obvious that, uh, a Native American character ends up like, um, somehow finding them and becoming, I'm assuming an unwilling part of this group of people, um, and they, one of the characters says something like, oh, is he ignorant or is he evil? And I'm just like, all right, fucking white people. Um, <laughs> but it did have this, like, weird horror feel to it, which I guess even just makes sense, even if it's just, if it's just, like, a drama specifically. But, like, being alone in the small group with that, like, unsettling, you know. Um, it kind of rent like, a little bit of, like, The Witch, where it's just that, like, confinement of, like, being in, like, this space with no one really else around. Um but it also like doesn't explain a lot about what is like going to happen within this movie, uh, which I also thought was interesting. Um, so yeah, there isn't like too, too much you get with it, but there was like definitely this like feel. And obviously it is a movie that, um, has a claim to from the trailer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. You brought up the witch. Uh, cause I had a similar thought about like a, a time piece, like a witch that the, the witch is very sort of like, rooted in that particular time versus the oh yeah they got the t-shirt on um yeah and very much like grounded Mm in that time period
3: yes
1: oh bonnets (laughs) they love bonnets more bonnets 2k19 (laughs) hashtag
0: yep um yeah so connor you assembled the reviews
2: i have compiled some reviews mm. um starting as we usually do with rotten tomatoes currently sits at an 86 percent of the tomato meter uh, which is certified fresh but the audience score is at 53 uh, percent and definitely kind of combing through mm. all the all the critic reviews and user reviews there's definitely a split uh, amongst critics and uh, just kind of normal people See the movie. Um, I thought the critic consensus, little blurb on Rotten Tomatoes, was really telling. Um, moving at a contemplative speed. Unseen in most Westerns, Meek's cutoff is an effective, intense journey of terror and survival in the untamed frontier. So kind of hitting on points that you were bringing up of this sort of like survival-y. Mm. Um, and even one of the genre tags on Wikipedia was survival horror.
3: Mm, okay. Just kind of interesting. interesting, yeah.
2: So maybe later we'll talk about if that kind of lined up with, you know, the people who saw the movie, if those themes are present.
3: Oh, that's such an interesting, like, you know, pocket of movies, just like that, you know, horror or uh, survival horror.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, People who like the movie seem really apologetic for (laughs) liking it. A lot of (laughs) reviews are like, okay, the beginning is slow. The middle is even slower and the end is terrible. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, if you really, like, so a lot of the reviews just seem very apologetic. People praise the cinematography um, as art, hail the performances of Michelle Williams and Bruce Greenwood. Um, it also is described as hypnotic, meticulous, and um, and uh, immersive. A lot of people really resonated with being in those characters' positions of, like, mm. feeling the sun, the, you know, sunbaked like, salt flats, I think I saw um, in one of the trailers.
3: I also hate when people just say, like like slow is a bad thing in movies, you know, like, you know, that that's not necessarily something that makes it a bad movie. Like you, it doesn't have to be constant action and like all the time, you know? Yeah.
2: As we were walking over here, Sam, you're we talking about like slow burn. Um, yeah. And I think drive is a movie that's very kind of slowly paced, but then drive. it kind of ramps it up. Whew.
3: Yeah. It, uh, it goes nuts. Yeah.
2: Um, People uh, who are critical of the movie accuse it of being just a tone piece with a totally unenjoyable plot and being totally boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's was kind of, so definitely a lot of like, <laughs> what? Filming. <laughs> <laughs> um, Interesting
3: perspectives. Mm, wow.
2: So here's kind of, I feel like, a pretty typical review that I found. Um, there are stretches that are, frankly, boring, but the vivid details and intimacy you develop with these travelers sticks with you, leaving you in awe of the insane feats people had to accomplish in order for us to enjoy the world we know today. That was from Rene Renee Rodriguez of the Miami Herald. So people who liked the movie connected with the characters, it seems, um, and felt for them and were in awe of kind of their accomplishments. Um, a bad review, critical review that I found was this is the sort of film critics love to praise because the filmmaker has done good work before. And well, there must be something there. Well, there's not, uh, Tom Long from the Detroit news gave it a D grade. Damn. Um, and then here's kind of a typical kind of, um, user review I found. Uh, here's the thing with Meek's, Meek's Cutoff. It's a movie that isn't going to appeal to a large audience and probably not even a small one, to be honest. <laughs> there is no audience
4: <laughs> for this okay, movie. Yeah, I was
2: movie who's uh, It's a movie that moves slow in the beginning, slower in the middle, and slow at the end. Just kind of referenced earlier. Um, Oh, and then there's the whole no real beginning, no real end that pissed a lot of people off. So someone who hasn't seen the movie, I'm kind of like, what happened? Like, what is the <laughs> sequence of events that occur in this movie? Um, this person enjoyed um, the direction and the cinematography. Every shot was art. Like you could take, she said, you could take a single frame, every single frame, and it would be like a piece of art that you could hang up. Um There aren't really a lot of audiences for this movie. It's slow. It's quiet and doesn't really lead us anywhere. Uh, And then she says, well, isn't that kind of the point? We're put into the same situation as audience members watching a movie that kind of goes nowhere, just like the characters are not going anywhere. So kind of on a meta level, some people enjoyed it in that Hmm. way, which is, I think, really interesting to think about. Yeah, Hmm.
3: I like that. That's an interesting Mm -hmm. observation.
2: And then the last review I'll touch on is uh, a one-star review that said, As a history buff who has studied the Meeks cutoff, uh, this movie is only 2% close to being accurate. It should have been called something else. Does, does this person go into... So, from what I've looked up, there are basically like a thousand cattle with them in this whole train, about a, and about a thousand people traveling with it. When the movie seems like it's just a few families, mm-hmm. maybe. So, the real cutoff... They're only... Um, eight people eight people so mm. i think the real event um it was not as brutal as the film depicted that certainly there was the risk of um you know um uh, dehydration from running out of water um, but in the movie thing and the real circumstances things were tough but got more resolved than this person felt like the movie did not you know took hmm. too many liberties to call itself meeks cut off which i think mm. brings up an interesting point of how much should a historical movie quote unquote kind of follow the actual history I also event.
0: wonder if production costs uh, connected to how many people they could actually
2: fill. There were like thousands <laughs> of how cattle.
3: Yeah. We got eight people, we know that. How many cattle were there in the <laughs> yeah. movie, Christine? Uh,
2: this movie cost less than $2 million to make oh, and made about $900,000 at the box office. Huh. Mm. So, a very, I mean, $2 is a lot of money, but yeah. in terms of Hollywood, it's a very cheap production. Yeah.
3: Um, Christine, so this is someone you like, this director. So, like, is this one of the ones you like best from her? Like, what are... I'm interested in, like, also why this was, like, your pick This is the second
0: movie of hers I had watched. The first movie was a movie called Old Joy, which is really good. um, That I think was her second movie. Uh, But I watched Meek's Cutoff a couple years ago and was so taken with it, a lot because of the cinematography and for some reason I was intrigued by the fact that it was asking so much of me as in like Hmm. this movie is so fucking slow but it made me get more (laughs) attuned to as Connor mentioned in the reviews the sounds, the creaking of the wheel that you hear consistently throughout the whole movie Um, and that it was like a new I mean I'm not deeply knowledgeable about western genres Mm. but I, it it's sort of billed as an anti-Western, which Reichardt herself kind of uh, shies away from, mm-hmm. like that label as of an anti-Western. Um, but I picked this specifically looking at, at it within the context of what other movies had been nominated that year and have been nominated around this time period that connect to the Western genre. So in 2011, which would have been the Oscars that this movie would have like... <laughs> way far from the back been running in, supposedly. (laughs) Um, So True Grit, the Coen Brothers remake, Mm. got Mm. tons of nominations. They got nominated for Best, in fact, I believe they won Best Director, um, which is a remake of a Western. Mm -hmm. You have John Wayne, or like, Jeff Bridges Mm -hmm. as the new John Wayne. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly, like, and um, looking at a lot of, and a lot of sort of the archetypes of the Western, the like, you know, gritty uh you're about voice. to do a John Wayne impression. I can't, I can't, I can't uh at all. And, like and a movie that had already come out was like There Will Be Blood, which was also not as slow as Make's Cut Off by any means, but also
4: wow. huge
0: <laughs> sweeping as and cinematic in its scope, and it was just lauded for being beautifully shot and mm-hmm. um and just, yeah, people were willing to get through the slowness because this was a masterpiece. And I'm like, okay, well you like I was just intrigued by the fact that this movie had elements of things that I'd seen in other movies um, that were that were praised. But before I go into more about that, um, I want to pass it off um, <laughs> to to Sam who watched the movie. And I am intrigued about the question of like, whether yeah, this idea of considering the pace of a movie. I, I do think that there are compelling arguments to say that a director should consider their audience and like consider Mm -hmm. if this is a thing that somebody might actually want to watch. Um, so I'm going to pass it off to Sam for her impressions of watching this movie for the first time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of Connor's reviews really took the words out of my mouth. Um, I don't really know um, what else to say. It's it's very much like, um, well, I'll, I'll read you this text message that my friend who I watched it with um, sent to me yesterday. Do you think we just didn't understand Meek's cutoff? Like, is it Another Place Beyond the Pines? Because I don't even understand why such famous actors were in that movie. <laughs> to so- love Another Place Beyond the Pines. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you, you know, like I... I have to say Westerns are definitely not my cup of tea. So I was keeping that in mind, but excited to expand my horizons. And I was like, oh, I, I just listened to this podcast that did like several episodes about the Donner Party. So
4: And I just read a book about it. So now I really want to see this movie. Yeah, because it's mm-hmm. mentioned in that book.
1: Yeah, and so, like, I was Sorry, like, go ahead. like, no, no, no. And, um, we, like, I think at work we had this huge Donner Party discussion today. And so, like, I was like, oh, this is, you know, kind of like right up my alley right now. I'm going to be interested. And it just, I think, Connor, the review you mentioned that was like, I think the point was to suffer along with them is like the best way I can describe (laughs) this.
2: Which is an interesting way to think about making a movie if that was her intention.
1: Yeah. I mean, I imagine like watching this in a theater and being like, Oh my God, now I'm thirsty. Oh my God. Now I'm like exhausted and everything else because I can't actively get that. I can go to my kitchen and grab water, but like I can't do that. We don't have
3: those problems that they have. I assume. Uh Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the things that I will say is that it was very well acted. Um, the music, Tori, when you were watching the trailer, I heard it and I was like, oh. but it's like it is something that stands out a lot. Um, so I don't think I would watch it again, <laughs> but I'm glad to have seen it because I do think that it was really like well done. I think that um, the director, what was her name? Kelly Reichardt. Kelly Reichardt. I think that like she was very particular about her dialogue I think like and the moments that characters chose to speak in one because I think like the first 10 minutes of the movie no one speaks Mm. and so you're just watching the day-to-day life of these people who are traveling the Oregon Trail um, which was treacherous in its own right and to have a guide who is played by um, Bruce Greenwood who like very clearly doesn't really know where he's going. And so they're on this journey that they think is going to take what, like two weeks. Um, But they're seemingly already running out of water, like before even two weeks is up, which was, that's what I thought. Maybe not. Maybe I misunderstood that, but, but it it goes to show you that like no one really knew what to expect Mm. in the Oregon trail. So the fact that anybody made it, they are. Yeah. They
0: are on this constant search for water. Um, because yeah, they just each, it looks like each wagon has their own barrel full of water and there's, some might argue the climax of the movie. So, all right, there are no spoilers in this movie. Not much actually happens as far as a climax Sam and I were talking a little earlier. Maybe it's when one of the wagon b- yeah, wagons what break. What was
1: the burn? <laughs> if it's a slow burn, what's the burn?
0: Um, but you see one of the barrels of water rolling down the hill and emptying water. And you're Ugh. like, fuck, they're all go. so parched and
1: thirsty. When, when that happened, I did go, <gasps> and the friend that I watched it with, are you kidding me? That's what she said.
2: Did um, this have a typical plot structure of you know like rising climax a denouement and the no um or was this was she trying to play with like movie structure so
0: her thing is sort of a minimalist take on uh any of the situations that her characters find themselves in so like in old joy it's two guys going into uh the forest in oregon and talking for a weekend and they're hiking um but like that's very kind of dialogue based and you get to know these characters through the conversations that they have but like Mm. they go and sit like in a cool spring and like talk like not much happen like the other movie or michelle williams is in several of her movies i was gonna say i think i noticed that when i was looking stuff up earlier yeah there's another movie um uh that uh Michelle Williams is in Wendy and Lucy and uh, it's about this woman that wants to go up to Alaska uh, but her car breaks down so she has to hang out in this small town like in Oregon Mm -hmm. and it's sort of this like the road movie that never was and so like her her stories are very sort of small in scale very sort of pared down minimalist approach but I think through that at least while I watched Meek's cut off it made me made my awareness of other aspects of a movie extremely heightened. Like, as I mentioned, the, the sounds, um, and what I feel like could have been the smells of being a part of that party. And the fact that I appreciated this and I can see an argument for it being an anti-Western and the fact that movies, I think, Westerns that I've seen like a true grit, um, and like, sort of create this sort of, uh, it certainly can show the bleakness of that period, but also kind of romanticize it in a mm-hmm. way too. Uh, that there are gun battles and uh, outlaws and this uh, very uh, one-sided conflict between Native American, like the, the way it's depicted. Scruggs. Yeah, uh, yeah, and which the Coen brothers intentionally mm-hmm. uh, are satirizing but it still feeds mm. into this narrative of like exciting moments and you know th- and well, characterizations we, that aren't real but i felt yeah. like this movie at least i felt like i was there with them in the agony of nothing happening <laughs> which yeah but then you have yeah yeah sorry go ahead no for, i
3: was i was just going to say too like um even just like the draw to westerns at least like from my perspective like You know, I don't think any of us really grew up um, like people before us did where, like, they wanted to play cowboys and Indians when they were kids and stuff like that. Like, it seems like that, like, romanticism of Westerns maybe isn't as strong now as it used to be. So I feel like for people who are going to do Westerns now, maybe there has to be something different to it or they need some sort of, like, edge to, like, I don't know, make those, like, interesting now. Like, there's a show I watched, um... Uh, maybe a year or two ago and i'm forgetting the name of it but it was um a western and it was a town where um all of the men had died and so it was just a bunch of women running this town and i can't remember mm. can't believe i can't remember uh, michelle dockery is in oh, it from Downton na- abbey na- oh uh, uh, um, uh, yes and I it know, was yeah. great and it's like i'm never drawn to westerns but like that angle alone was enough to like really like bring me in and mm. i love there will be blood like that's amazing and um But, like, for this one, it's interesting, too, because it seems like, just from what you've described of her other movies, it seems like her stuff is mainly, like, character-driven. Maybe.
0: (laughs) In a way that still you don't even know. Like, did you feel like any of the characters were truly fleshed out in the movie, Sam? Um...
1: no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just like so little happens. The characters don't have any time to grow or really go through anything. Would you even
2: say there's a protagonist antagonist oh, relationship? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, definitely. That is 100% cool. true. It's basically like all of these settlers versus the um meek who is played by bruce greenwood because he's like he's like yeah everything is fine i know where i'm going there's mountains over there (laughs) not quite like that but um and then michelle williams is like there have been no mountains where the fuck are we like we have to get rid of them you know and then the this like native american presents like an interesting conflict which like Interesting conflict. Um, interesting very loosely. Mm. Um, no offense, Christine. Um, because it wasn't... But but anyway. Um, so something happens. Like, he, like this Native American person was like following them and they capture him and then like basically enslave him. Um, and something that I did appreciate and I thought was really interesting. So that person was like sketching like religious images or i there was a debate
0: about they're they're debating amongst themselves about whether he's trying to communicate with other so he's a a member of the cayuse tribe um and they are arguing that he is trying to communicate with other people within his tribe to to like show them where are and then there um there's another argument that it i don't think we're really supposed to to know uh Mm -hmm. what exactly he's he's drawing over the course of that
3: it's more about like their paranoia i guess over what he is potentially doing so
0: yeah and i think this is another kind of important part of the movie as far as the depiction of this this cayuse um character um i go back and forth uh about how I feel about the representation of this character in this movie. On one hand, um, I thought there were some deliberate choices that Ritgard makes um, because yeah, they, they capture them. They essentially uh, enslave him, force him to show them where water is because uh, they have no idea where the fuck they are. Um, But, and throughout the movie, you hear him speaking um, in what I looked up, um, is uh, considered Cayuse or Downriver Nez Perce, um the Nez Pierce language. And there are intentionally no subtitles provided um, because it's supposed to be the perspective of just completely not knowing and understanding who this character is. Uh, mm-hmm. And then by the end, um, the scene, and there's a lot of frustration in the is <laughs> like apparent in the reviews that Connor read uh, previously that, There is no conclusion. The last scene is they're still arguing. One person's about to die. They've lost a wagon. And it's just Michelle Williams looking through this tree as um, the Cayuse man, like, walks away. And it's an ambiguous ending. We have no idea if he led them, like, where water is. If he didn't, it's just... in. As I saw intentionally ambiguous to neither villainize nor nor create like a sort of a savior character in this story. Mm. it just is. however, I also read some interviews um, with it was a, in Now magazine in Toronto and it was like indigenous directors talking about depictions of mm. um, indigenous people in movies and there's one person that um, did did say you know he's like, you know I like. Kelly Reichardt, as a director, he was, he said something like, "There is liberalish, you know, as they come. However, um, there are like w- still issues of like w- depictions of indigenous people and white guilt, like not creating fully fleshed-out characters, which I think is a completely valid uh, argument." And they compared her movie actually to. Coen Brothers, Buster Scruggs. Oh. Coming back Kazan to Zoe in. Kazan. And yeah. there is an, uh, a review that actually says that the Coen Brothers were specifically phrased blowing a raspberry at Meek's cutoff in hmm. the specific story. Huh. The girl who got the rattled. Wagon train? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is a comment on, like, she, like, ends up killing herself because she's so scared of um, oh, it the Oh, right, was right. so heartbreaking. And that it's, like, in their sense, like, kind of a tongue-in-cheek Meek's cutoff, um, talking about hmm. like xenophobia, racism, sense. um, but, but in this interview, these directors talk about how the Coen brothers take another extreme. They say, well, sort of this like white liberal female director is trying to like address this, I like, um, not trying to make a caricature out of, out of this Caillou's character, the Coen brothers, on the other hand, think that they've got the answer by like creating satire and creating um, like caricatures in a knowing way. And they're like, what is actually worse? Mm-hmm. Because still in things like Buster Scruggs, at the fir- one of the first scenes in True Grit, um, there are three men being hanged. Uh, Two of the men are, are white guys who get an opportunity to say their final speech, like goodbye speech, in front of the crowd. And the third guy is a Native American, but Hood is immediately put over his head and he can't say anything. And then he's hung. Mm-hmm. And they're like, is that, that's like damaging, even though the Coen brothers think that they can get away with those depictions, in their mind, um, that it, they're willing to spice up the genre with their own sensibilities then correct its stereotypes. So, Well, I think that
4: kind of plays on both in a sense. Yes, I mean, yes. you know, obviously they create the, uh, the satirical juxtaposition of like them immediately being silenced within the context of the film um, and their voice not being heard as like, you know, a character with like cinematic development um, in a way that, you know, a lot of uh, especially older Westerns unfortunately trade in. But it's also historically accurate. Like they, they would have just shut that down.
0: Yes, right, right. And so it's you're looking at these two approaches, both which are trying to acknowledge uh, how one sided the Western genre really has become. And their argument ultimately was, let's have the third way, give more opportunities to direct, like indigenous directors to actually tell their story, um, which I thought was an interesting conclusion. It, but it's yeah. uh,
2: interesting that you're bringing up the portrayal of this <clears throat> the American character because apparently in real life he could speak English, he spoke like broken English. Interesting character.
0: that so you this is mm-hmm. what goes into the historic inaccuracy. Mm-hmm. That is very interesting, and that he
2: actually did lead them to water. Mm-hmm. That um,
0: character, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I I thought I thought that ambiguous ending I kind of liked it so so that we couldn't necessarily draw our conclusions about what this character was supposed to stand in for. Um I think I appreciated the ambiguity, but I I still think yeah, it like it definitely brings up an important point. That's really so he, because it is based on diaries that uh, some of the settlers kept while they were on this journey. Um, and, yeah, Ritkart, like, worked with um, Kristen Parr, a member of the Cayuse tribe, to work on the dialogue that mm. the character would say throughout, um, throughout the movie. But, but do you yeah. feel like
2: this was a movie, um, Sam and Christine, that, that should have been historically accurate or she put her own like vision on it, that it's kind of okay to like ignore what actually happened because she's telling kind of like a focused narrative or story. Cause I think that's kind of the most interesting to think about with like films that are like based on a true story. You know, we see that you know, all the time in TV and,
3: but also are we going to attack all of them too? You know, like who was this historian and has he made these comments about other movies? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's a he and he's white. So (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm I'm of like two minds of it. Like, if you're gonna call it Meeks Cut Off and it's about a real thing, then like you should probably try to be as accurate as possible. But then like I'm thinking about some other movies and and other parts of media that I like that um, are like based on history where they don't feature people of color or people mm. with disabilities or or whatever variation of people that there are, and I'm just like. Well, who gives a a shit anymore if it's Mm. historically accurate? Like, you should be creating roles for these people so you can give them more access to Hollywood Mm -hmm. because what you're just doing is you're just purposely like perpetuating the inherent racism sexism ableism and everything else in hollywood of i also think
3: wife. a lot of like specifically we talked about this earlier uh war movies i think mm. um mm-hmm. definitely bend things certain ways and kind of use them as propaganda and like you know this like patriotic kind of um they try to like put those out there to have this like patriotic feel to them um it's a that's not always super accurate but i don't know if that's something that's like frequently attacked either so you know it's i think it's like a fine line of when you're going to um you know say that people like aren't doing like their job by portraying it the right way like at the end of the day it's a movie and movies can be whatever the fuck they want to be you know if you want something historically accurate that is why we have like documentaries and and you know we have historians ken who burns. write books and we have fucking ken burns you know and like even ambrose yeah Bless. i mean if you're looking for movies for your uh for your history you're probably not looking in
0: the right place <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there's one there was one re- review i read that was like uh right cards like imp- like also putting a feminist narrative on it. I by wanted like to ask, seeing, she betrayed women. It was like Michelle Williams, like there's a moment where she essentially, um, there's a power dynamic shift. So Michelle Williams then ends up being the one that's like, we should trust this like Cayuse man. He's going to lead us to water. Um, and she actually takes her rifle and aims it at Meek, um, who's then, um, and so you sounds definitely sounds like me <laughs> yeah, kind related. of coming. Yeah, me He sounds like a big <laughs> sob. Um, and they're definitely their dialogue about like the difference between men and women is chaos and destruction. You know, sort of like some like summations of of genders and things like that. I, but I think um, that it's within the constraints of the period. So there's some scenes where the men are talking about where water is and with the way the shot is set up is they're at a distance they're like towards this lake that they've just found but have realized that it's too salty for them to drink and you're at si- this viewer is uh basically sitting with the women and right intentionally makes the sound inaudible like you can't hear what the men are saying and what they're talking about i mean we can assume they don't know what the fuck is going on, but there are these intentional like, uh, sound, uh, edits that, that limit the viewer or the viewer's ability to, to see clearly and hear clearly what they're talking about. So she definitely comments on these different spheres that men and women, uh, play, like the women are up at like four o'clock in the morning in the dark, creating the fires, cooking the food, um, Uh, And then from that structure, you see Emily Tetherow, which is Michelle Williams' character, emerge from that and try to make some changes within the way that this party, like the wagon party is going. But again, it's all very muted. It's very (laughs) slow and like not super, super apparent, uh, which I don't know, I thought was was kind of compelling. But again... Definitely wasn't going to win the uh, 2011 (laughs) Oscar, like sweep the Oscars by any means. But um, definitely a fave director of mine. Um, And I think like broadening out to that discussion or this sort of larger discussion about uh, like female directors, wanted to give some shout outs of other past directors that really should have been... that should have been uh, nominated in previous years. I mean, uh, Dee Reese for *Mudbound* in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's a movie shame. was, yeah. Um, also, she not only uh, she also hired. A lot of women on her set So from the cinematographer Rachel Morrison Who was the only female Cinematographer to be nominated Um, So that was a huge Disappointment in a year That yeah Greta Gerwig was like Heralded as like you know the next Female nominated I never saw Lady Bird I don't know what it was so I'm sure it was nice Lady Bird
3: was good But it was not Like I feel like when it first came out It was like everyone's like It's got like the highest Rotten Tomatoes rating and it's amazing and all like all this stuff and like you know, it's like an interesting portrayal of like, you know, a you know, kind of creative girl who doesn't really fit into her environment and is kind of like learning lessons along the way, but I don't know, like it was I feel like
2: nobody talks about that movie anymore.
3: Which is interesting because when it first came out last year I remember like everyone made it sound like that was like the big movie mm-hmm. of the year and you're right like that hasn't come up much at all and lately I kind of forgot like, it
1: it feels like a story I've seen I've heard and I've lived and I'm just like i I want to see something a little bit different I agree but yeah the thing is is I'm like keep it out like nominate people and women, but don't like
0: it's like when are we gonna emerge from this like token nomination right, and actually right. acknowledge all of the movies that deserve nomination. I mean, like, Ava DuVernay for Selma, she wasn't nominated for a, direct, yeah, a director. Yeah, you want to talk about a fucking snow. Um yeah. 2015. Uh, and then uh, Patty Jenkins' Winner's Bone, which actually got nominated for several other or no excuse me not patty jenkins uh deborah granick who also did leave no trace Mm. um but that movie got a lot of nominations but she didn't get any directorial nominations so just a previous snubs of the past um to kind of close out our our discussion of (laughs) mix cut up (laughs) any final thoughts before we take a break Well,
3: one thing I wanted to bring up, just because I is something I'm trying to think of a lot more, is um, when I saw that documentary Horror Noir, um, they just brought up this point that like um, specifically talking about like, you know, white audiences um, just being like, not everything is for you. Mm. Um, And, you know, Jordan Peele even says, like, Get Out is like, you know, a movie that I made like for a black audience, and white audiences can enjoy that, but just know, like, this isn't for you, um, like, this was not made for you, Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, you know, unfortunately, Christine Meeks Cutoff does not really sound like a movie I totally want to see, and I know, (laughs) even Connor said, like, I thought about this, too, in the reviews, where it was, like, this appeals maybe to a very small audience, Is just kind of, like, okay, but at the end of the day, like, Maybe this, like, wasn't for me, and, like, like, what your friend said, Sam, too. It's like, do we just not get it? Like, there are some things, like, I probably won't get, or, and that's, like, maybe just not, because they're for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's just something I'm trying to think of more and more when I watch stuff that I might, like, not get or not like. I just, like, keep having that in the back
0: of my head. Yeah, sometimes the movies just stick with you, like the creak of the wheel. I did write that down in my
1: Because that's all you to heard. Do a great wheel. Oh, there Can were just three, people that got, or
0: three things that got lost. Mr. Tetherow, the wagon, and the canary. Which, actually, the dress that Zoe Kazan is wearing is canary yellow. In which I agree, it was not a very smart, practical thing. But their dresses looked
1: beautiful. They did look oh beautiful. Oh, my God. Can I make a point about the dress colors? And And Dave, maybe... You might have something to say about this, so <laughs> he's like absolutely what do not. I have to say about I like canary yellow. He's like one hundred percent not. So in the podcast that I listened to about the Donner Party, they mentioned that like sometimes kids would just wander off. Oh yeah, and then be oh yeah, big time. Um, because like the grass was so tall and thick, and and so like that. What actually happened? And so when you talked about the dresses a part of my my thinking was like, what if that's on purpose to like not lose one like another? Like a traffic cone? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like it's definitely not hiding you from anybody who's like tracking you and trying to get you. Mm. But it it could be a good way of someone trying to find you. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Moaning Myrtle is always like, Timmy,
0: Timmy, why did you run away? Oh
1: yeah, Timmy, <laughs> oh, settle. Timmy, woman. settle.
3: Oh, we talked to her in Oakdale too. She's an
2: Oakdale. Well, she Which also,
3: it, Paul Dano is in this, right? Yeah. Poldano
0: is in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, Ugh. so that's a nice uh, Oakcha, and there will be blood tie-in. Um, yeah, yeah. So Timmy didn't wander off, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, there are there. What my last thought about this movie is: I think there are some great scenes where uh, Stephen Meek is talking to Timmy, who's like the only kid in the party. Uh, and he's this young boy who's like wants to go and pick up shit and rocks and everything like that. And Meek is like telling him tales of of his uh, like fights and conquests and things like that. And he, and you could just hear Timmy just like sucking it all up. He loves it, like just hearing this sort of tales of the wilderness and things like that. And I was like, th- that is how this sort of like. Sort of male centric Western genre mm. begin. It's just like tales of like outlandishly improbable stories that are like like you know mm. pitting Native Americans as the enemy, and just like Timmy is like just eating it up. He loves it. So I was like, I thought that was a really sort of astute kind of mm. scene and observation. Anyhow,
3: God, I feel like a. Definitely don't like Meek. For Meek everything. sucks. Yeah, I mean, like he definitely. He de- okay.
0: he's a posturing fool. Like does, he doesn't. Does know he know like he's
4: doing. swindle the party?
0: No, he just doesn't. That's the idiot. thing. We don't know enough about he any of the characters
4: like... to really know what's going on. But he's a fuck. I mean, this sounds just a lot like, um, like the stuff that was in *The Indifferent Stars Above*, the Donner Party book that I read, where it's just like, uh, sort of like overconfident, braggadocio types moving out into the completely uncharted west. Um, and making like off the cuff on the fly assumptions about the landscape ahead with confidence that it's completely unwarranted because they have no idea where they are or what's ahead. So yeah, it's uh I don't know. It sounds uh, eerily familiar in that sense.
0: Yep. Movie not for everyone, but um definitely has a tender place in my heart. Um all right. Uh let's take a break. <coughs> And the canary is like... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to this week's segment of Oscar Snubs 2019. Um, We are doing our final little lightning round for this episode and related to Oscars. And the theme this week uh, for our lightning whiteboard question round (laughs) is I I added that, it's all hyphenated (laughs) lightning round whiteboard question is what category would you add uh, to the Oscars? What new category?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Unfortunately,
3: my first thought when I was like, uh, well, first off, fuck the Oscars, which I know we've all been feeling. Hashtag here, like.
0: fuck the, yes. But also my Subtext. other thought was like,
3: I feel like no matter what category I create, they're going to cut it and it's not going to be a part of the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> um But I was honestly just trying to think of, like, any category where the decision-making was not in the hands of the Academy. The
2: people's choice? And
3: that's what I was like, do I want... I'm not sure if it should be a people's choice or even if it's, like... I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, something where, like... Even the nominations are put forth by, like, another group or something. And I don't... I, so I don't really have a definitive idea, but that's, like, what I was, like, trying to think of. I just, like, couldn't, like, f- have, like, a fully flushed-out category. The
4: Twitter poll award?
3: Well, I think... That... But, like, something where, like, some... I don't know.
4: Anonymous brings you best picture. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, even if it's, like, an unsung, like, you know, hero kind of category, and it's, like, it can be a combination of, like, the movies, the directors the stories, the music, like, whatever stuff, like, that people didn't get to see, you know? Like, I think, like, that's something that should be, like, incorporated.
0: There could definitely be an app that's created where people just type in their favorite movie or their favorite Mm -hmm. performance, and then that becomes... Yeah. Yeah. After Mm -hmm. you
2: type every response, there's a 30-second ad.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh,
2: I think an interesting category would be best marketing. Uh, of just like a different approach, to, like filmmaking. Like uh, I remember, The Dark Knight had these like scavenger hunts that they would set up and these like yeah. augmented reality challenges. Um, I think it would just give a different. They did like, that
3: for the spider, the new Spider-Man too. Not the they? not the new new one, but the uh, the middle one with the with the with fucking British kid, Tom Holland. Tom Tom Tom. Tom. No, no, the other one. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Andrew Garfield, <laughs> that's it. That's I, The middle oh, spider All
0: the British Which Spider-Mans. That <laughs> that's its own category. Did you think of
1: Spider-Verse is the, the end one? Because the middle one for me was like, oh yeah, British kid. Yeah. And, uh, no, I was like, that other that other spider person. The really terrible ones. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Well, yeah.
3: I feel like hmm. well, they we did something with that later. too, where there was like a th- a thing where you could like get materials and, I don't know. Ooh. Yeah.
2: I think um just it would just be a different angle of filmmaking. So I think like different the best like marketing attempt of that year. I don't know who would vote for that or judge that, but I know I think that would be for me. I'd find that really interesting. Mm,
1: True. Um, I have two ideas. One is like best surprising or out of the box performance. Um, Basically, I want to create. An award that Chris Evans could win. Not that I don't think he would win of the other ones, but like there are <laughs> other movies where I'm like, win this. Um, and
4: then like, Wait, what would he have won that award for?
1: So I think like Snowpiercer or Gifted or um, Puncture or like, do you really? Want I keep I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, So, like, I could honestly... Because, like, his performance in Snowpiercer, like, people view him now as this, like, superhero actor who's, like, kind of like a bro and a jock, but, like, he gave a really great performance in that. And also, if you've seen Gifted, please see this movie. It is so damn good. It's like the the father? He's, like, a father figure. He's, like, an uncle that, like, takes care of the, the, the child. Like, I actually wept like there's crying in a movie and then there's weeping where you sound like oh. <laughs> like that's what i was doing <laughs> crying yeah yeah yeah. so like that would be that sort of category the chris like,
2: evans annual award
1: yeah. Um and then the other one is like movies that make you feel things. So like I don't know like what the fuck that looks like. It's a
4: little subjective.
1: Yeah, I mean kind of, but like you know there are so many movies that I've watched where like I've really felt like angry while I was watching or I felt like like sad and crying that I think like just totally get ignored because they they're not like the, the starring the most famous people or spending the most money on their Oscar bid or whatever. Like
0: every theater is geared with like a heart rate monitor, mm. <laughs> and that's like that's <laughs> the assessment, like in.
1: Like right? But if quantifying if you feel, feeling, mm, yeah, but like if you feel really uncomfortable about a film, like there's something like like Hereditary, right? Like people mm. here Ugh. loved that, made oh, you feel man. really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like that would be something.
3: Oh, I have an idea. i have I have a better idea. I think
1: go for it. Like
3: a, if I can like say this the right way, like kind of a state sustain, a sustainability award where like the filmmaking crew and stuff, like, did something, like, beneficial for, like, the community at large that they were,
1: like, working in,
3: or, um, as opposed, like, you know, who they were hiring to be on the crew, like, didn't you guys say that Roma, they were, like, rebuilding streets, um, for Roma, where they were filming? Uh, I thought someone told me that, that they were, like, repairing areas to make it look, like, more in line with, like, where they were, um... Like, filming and, like, the time period they were filming in. That's awesome. Like, Like, looking
0: at impact of production. uh, Yeah. Like, was it a negative impact in the community Mm -hmm. where it was being filmed? Or was it a... More positive, like That's environmental cool one, yeah. stuff,
3: like anything where like they were doing something, like not just making a movie, but they were also making sure that they were trying to like help whatever environment they were in.
2: That reminds me of Interstellar, where Chris Nolan he planted that cornfield that you drive the truck through, Whoa. like miles and miles of corn, and he just left it there for the community to like harvest corn and use it for food. And that movie
0: only devoted about two minutes to like. <laughs> but if they were like, we scenes. don't want this
1: corn, <laughs> yeah. or now yeah, yeah. they're like killing each other just over like, it. This is my cornfield <laughs>
0: i'm christopher nolan i
2: made you a cornfield god damn it you're, like, you're we gonna didn't appreciate it. Ask for this chris
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have enough corn
0: hmm. any other ideas
2: or
4: thoughts on corn
0: um
1: i've got a lot
4: uh i had uh, a category i think would be great it would be uh music supervision which is different from uh, original score and is different from sound editing it's uh w- it's basically a uh uh an industry uh position in which one is responsible for selection uh of music for a film mm. and uh in in some regards if they have like a good deal of creative control um placement within editing um which i think is really super important to some of my favorite films um I mean, not to spoil anything, but one that we'll be getting to soon um, is a Martin Scorsese film, which uh, the, the, the choices in music and the progression of them in certain sequences mm-hmm. and how pronounced they are, how they define the momentum of a scene um, are integral to the chemistry of the movie. And I think really integral to the chemistry of a lot of good films. Uh, you have the same thing with like Forrest Gump. Or like um, I don't know, countless other films where it's like it's not ju- it's not a, just a score; it's the pl- specific placement of specific music, hmm. um, which I think is a super interesting, uh, almost science if it's done well enough. Uh, especially in the case of Scorsese sound uh, or, uh, music uh, supervisor, um, but I would say that uh, that kind of stuff uh, deserves another look. Now not necessarily—I'm not even saying necessarily soundtracks, but specific use of. Um, Commercial music within specific sequences and so on.
0: Yeah, that, that came, I thought of that when I was watching. Sorry to bother you. Uh, that there are wonderful moment. I mean, the the soundtrack is awesome, but there are key moments where it's like the the music is like the center point of scene, like of this moment of a scene change, and it's it's really height. It's really a cool uh, effect, and um, I never really thought about music supervision. That's a cool one. Um, for, yeah, so I had two thoughts. One, very simple, best cry. Uh, I think Ooh. it's a very hard Ooh. to cry. That's so yeah, good. That's, that's really. so good. Um, you've got anywhere from my girl Claire Danes, who <laughs> some may think she's an, like she's a great crier. Yes. I'm always convinced when she's crying. You've got Claire Danes on one side, and then you've got um, my man David Duchovny on the way other end. <laughs> I've uh, watched as you've probably already heard lots of ep- episodes of X-Files. He is the worst crier in the whole world. I think of Toby Maguire too. Um, <laughs> oh
1: my god. Dude, the oh, guy that, nice. that answers the
3: door in, at Emerald City in Wizard of Oz and like the tears are coming like from his eyebrows.
2: <laughs> 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 oh my like,
3: god! I forgot about that guy. I love that Your guy. Teardrucks are a little
0: two inches higher.
3: <laughs> they did some weird work on him Ooh. in Emerald City. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's And I love watching movies being like alright did you put eye drops in before the scene? Like did you not? Are these real uh, yeah,
2: it's like—is the snow real?
0: Mm. Yes, right. <laughs> are these real? Are the are tears, tears real? Are the,
2: is the <laughs> snow real? That's the name yes. of the award. <laughs> this is one
1: Chris Evans could win for gifted. Sorry, I'm just a, a cry scene. Uh-huh. Mm, Continuing yeah. to find awards for him to win.
2: What if there was one for best animal? Oh. I thought about that,
4: but I feel like that could open some very slippery slur- slippery slope doors within um within a, <laughs> S- a <laughs> slippery slurs
2: slippery slope like it's a slippery slope yeah. it's
4: a dangerous concept because that could lead to the abuse of animals for the sake of acting or mm. awards
0: right oscar bait okay. and you're like abusing the animals on your yeah but what if it's oakcha and it's really not a real animal opportunities for well, consent it's as to design, what they want to do and what they don't i guess yeah. that's true
3: Wait, what's the main dog in um homeward bound uh
0: shadow shadow yes mm. shadow deserved all the awards where's alana for her to do her impression <laughs> oh that poor dog
2: <laughs> one day
0: my yeah. second new category was actually similar to what Tori mentioned uh an award for like um production and set uh not camaraderie, but like 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 effective I would say while, yours was how does the production relate to the community at large? I would say award for. The community within the production Mm -hmm. of a movie, so like a well, like camaraderie, well, everything from like people getting along to supportive set to great food buffet, like just the whole package of what it was like to work on a set, work with the director, work with all the people involved, treating your employees, treating your employees with respect, paying them enough, good representation. Yeah. Anyhow, that was my second thought, but. Here's to only wishing that all of these things could be uh, acknowledged, and in... you know what—just
3: do all these, you know, good things, not for awards. <laughs> exactly right.
0: <laughs> illusions of success. Yeah. That's why illusion. Uh, it's
2: an illu- really, success. <laughs> illusions, Michael. Illu- illusions.
0: Um, yeah. So, great convos, guys. Oh, uh, we got a couple shout-outs this week. Mm.
3: Uh, we're doing one this mm-hmm. week, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, am I doing it? I mean... Since it's my kin.
0: mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) We have specifically shout-outs to kin.
3: So, uh, Sam does a really wonderful job, uh, running our Instagram page, and she has been doing this really cool thing of, like, showing, like, close-ups or just kind of, like, weird images for movies we've talked about, and, uh, you know, asking people to, like, guess what they are and doing shout-outs, so, uh, my... Sister Nella guessed the Oak one, which was that really creepy picture of Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes!
0: Um,
3: she uh, made sure that I remembered to give her a shout out. She texted me about it um, as well as wanted me to say that she is the funniest of the Potenza sisters and that oh, she has man. excellent taste in movies. Um, mm. So I, w- I will say it. But you know, I know this I know this is a podcast, (laughs) but you know, I feel like we do have a level of journalistic integrity. And I just I don't know if I can actually say that she is the funniest Potenza sister. So um
4: Jury's still out. But
3: either way, great job guessing, Nella. Uh love you, big (laughs) fan. (laughs) Hope you liked this shout out. Um and then we'll do the one for next week for our next episode, right? Got it. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. It'll be a big guess who the next one
1: is. <laughs> the next shout-out. Guess who the next shout-out yeah.
0: is. Yeah, quickly. Everyone, oh.
1: Guess, get guess, your, guess. Yeah. Get to your phones mm-hmm. or your
0: social media Email platforms. us at
2: butterwiththatpodcasts at gmail.com. Do yeah.
0: we have a Check Gmail? the socials. We do have a Gmail.
2: Fuck yeah, send us some emails. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying.
3: Yeah. Talk to us. I don't if know. If you
2: send us an email, we will talk. A, we will maybe not read it, depending on it I says, feel like, but we will talk about that email i mean
3: stuff. we'll probably read it but yeah. not like read it on the podcast oh if maybe, it's we'll maybe
2: i mean oh, if it's yeah. like neo-nazi
3: yeah give us <laughs> insight please, please, no <laughs> <Come on. laughs> please no MAGA. Insights, compliments n- 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 we we love hearing nice things about us um i don't know fun facts yeah just show us you're listening i guess
2: correct us
1: Mm-hmm. Please, <laughs> Correction yes. Correction
0: corner. Every, disagreements um, and corrections are definitely important. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, we we will... Uh, Can I give another shout-out? Yeah, go yeah, uh, Our go friend,
2: Alyssa Miller, runs a wonderful art page called Alyssa Arts. Um, she paints pictures of pets, animals, and cool, exciting, fun colors. Uh, she's on Facebook, uh, so definitely want to give her a shout-out. Alyssa Arts on Facebook. I've seen the giraffe and it looks great. It Mm
3: -hmm. is beautiful. She made a really good giraffe.
2: It's a Mardi Gras giraffe. You can check it out at A Novel Idea, potentially, on past Young Ave,
1: which is a wonderful bookstore. Mm-hmm. you in South Philly you want a bookstore guess what your option is a novel idea <laughs> I thought you were gonna like
3: like sing or rap I was or... ready that was a beautiful was... opening
4: yeah. I'm sure what that was going for I exactly. could feel the, yeah. the, the if our friends at a novel
3: idea would like someone to make a jingle for them um, Sam here oh,
2: we, no <laughs> <laughs> Sam if you want will us... not
3: sing
1: and then Sam will also not come up with a jingle if you want whatever. us if you want
2: to hear Sam sing send us an email oh. a tweet An Instagram and a Facebook post.
1: Sam Sings. Hashtag Sam Sings. Don't start this. It's
2: coming. If the people ask for it.
1: No. Gotta give them what they want. Sam can't sing. But anyway.
2: Hashtag Sam Sings. All right. Sam can sing if she
4: wants
3: to sing. She can (laughs) sing if she wants to. She can can leave her first. She can also leave the
4: song behind. That was almost it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> so
4: close. so close. Just, Unwittingly. Dave, just, just bump the volume what if that it's a
3: song out? about Chris Evans I still won't oh, sorry god. god damn it Chris Evans uh, ask Sam to sing a song please <gasps> oh god no
1: please it, Chris if you ever first of all excuse me Mr. Evans if you ever listen to this I'm so sorry okay <sighs>
0: alright see you next week folks <laughs>